0: The U.S. defense industry is large, complex, and competitive. It is also lucrative for those companies able to navigate it successfully. The American Society of Military Comptrollers helps bridge the gap between the boardroom and the battlefield while supporting transformation in the defense sector. The Business of Defense podcast brings you inside the companies working to achieve this directly from the business leaders and to understand how they create value for their companies and their customers. For more information on ASMC, visit asmconline.org. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 251 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me again this week, your friend and mine, Bill
1: Lack. Welcome back, Bill. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'd I'd say it's a pleasure to be it's it's a pleasure to be back on the podcast, and ain't a pleasure to be back in this weather. Uh,
0: well, I'd say not because you've been in some uh, tropical weather for the last little bits, which is why you've not been on the podcast for a while.
1: Yeah, we were uh, on a cruise and taking advantage of an opportunity to get some sun.
0: Well, sound like it was a good time. Uh, not much sun around here right now, but uh, things are pretty sunny for the Reds. Uh, so far this offseason. season, are you finally going to admit that you're a little bit uh, optimistic about this Reds team?
1: No, I am. I am very confident they're going to be better than they have been last few years. I, I, I still the, the the holes in the in the roster and their seeming confidence in Nick Senzel's ability to play center field have me concerned.
0: Nick Senzel's going to win the Gold
1: Glove in center field this year. I would take I would take a I would take a bet on that one. All right, if Billy then. Hamilton couldn't win a Gold Glove in center field. I I, I hope you're right,
0: <laughs> Billy Hamilton. <laughs> well, there's some Reds news that's not not uh, on field related today. Let's go ahead and jump into that because it's yeah. it's really a uh, a sad day for everyone in the Cincinnati Reds community. Uh, All time Reds legend and baseball legend Frank Robinson passed away at age 83 today you know uh, frank robinson signed for $3500 in 1953 out of high school mcclyman high school in san francisco where he played high school basketball with none other than bill russell and uh, he wasn't a bad baseball player either and i if i
1: remember right veda
0: pinson went to that same high school yeah, veda pinson as well so um and pinson not a bad red either certainly yeah he was a pretty good ball
1: player <laughs> yeah
0: but frank robinson Played for the Reds from 1956 to 1965, 303 average, 389 on base, 554, 324 homers for the Reds, uh, career 150 OPS plus with the Reds, and then uh, traded away, obviously, in that famous trade. But to me, and I want to get your thoughts about uh, about Frank Robinson, Bill, certainly, uh, but to me, Frank Robinson is probably the most underrated player in uh, Reds history. In some ways, and I think he's definitely the most underrated player in baseball history. I think he's an absolute inner circle legend, and I don't feel like he gets that kind of credit, uh, sort of among the larger fan community. What are your thoughts about Frank Robinson?
1: I was a little young to see him play. My first memory of him as a player was the 70 World Series where he helped eat the Reds alive. Um, it, you look at his career with the Reds, and you know he won a Rookie of the Year. He won an MVP. He was the first player ever to win an MVP in both leagues, I believe. Uh, won Golden Gloves. You know, multiple years he was in the top ten in the MVP race. Uh, you look at his. You look at his career numbers. His lowest uh, OPS plus in his career was 105 when he was 38 years old, and he only played 15 games that season. You eliminate that. Well, no, he had one. His, his final year, it was 104. I take that back. And that's when he was a, a, a player manager. Uh, you know, you remember he was the first black, first black player or manager in Major League Baseball history. Um, there's just you look at his numbers, and they're 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 awing. Right. I mean, they're just you know, he led the league in OPS through four times, three times as a Red. One year he led uh, in o- one base percentage and slugging. Uh, say those same three years he led the, le- the league in OPS Plus. In 1966, the, the year he was an old 30 and got traded to Baltimore, he had an OPS Plus of 208. Unbelievable. That's not bad. <laughs> Unbelievable.
0: Yeah, yeah. And an old 30. And that's we're never going to forget those words because yeah. just completely ludicrous. Uh, can you imagine I, I if the was- Reds had kept him around?
1: Yeah, I mean he's uh, Joe Morgan because you know that means that means you know as you get into into the you know the early seventies you know could you imagine him still been playing on the on the big red machine team in, 72, well, I think in that, seventy two well seventy three
0: in those years he wasn't the same Frank Robinson but he was still a really good player
1: yeah you know he was getting on base was he was getting power looking at, his, looking at his baseball reference page I yeah. did not remember him playing for the Dodgers.
0: I did, uh, just because we researched him uh, for the book. Uh, but uh, And the book, of course, is The Big 50, the men and moments that made this Cincinnati Redskins. Two in a row. <laughs> 19 thir- uh, 1973, he was 37 years old, 30 home runs. I mean, it just yeah. uh, with, the, with the Angels, um, and most people don't remember that either. But uh, just a complete legend. Do you agree that he's the most underrated player in baseball history, or at least in the conversation?
1: I believe he doesn't get the, the the mentions of many players who you know, and he compared he can compare him with anybody. You look at his numbers, and he compares with anybody that's ever played the game.
0: Absolutely, Willie Mays, Hank Aaron. I mean, his contemporaries.
1: He was absolutely with those guys. Well, well, look at his similar by ages. Was was it show on there at twenty, twenty-one, twenty-five, and twenty-six? Is with Mike Trout. 22, it's Bryce Harper. 23, it's Hank Aaron. 24, it's Bryce Harper. 27, it's Ken Griffey Jr. I remember him. His similar batters are Griffey Jr., Mel Ott, Palmiero, Poole Holtz, Reggie Jackson, Gary Sheffield, Willie Mays, Dave Winfield, Manny Ramirez, and Al K-Line. not bad. That's not a bad group of guys. If you're going to be bunched up with a bunch of guys, that's all right. Absolutely.
0: Uh, So, you know... uh rest in peace Frank Robinson when we uh, when we wrote the book Chris Garber and I the big 50 uh one of the first things you mentioned to me and I gave you a hard time I did a radio interview on uh, public radio there in Cincinnati uh, earlier or last year and I gave you a hard time a little bit because the first thing I think you mentioned to me not the first thing one of the early things you mentioned to me was what's the deal there's no there's no chapter on Frank Robinson and that was a tough decision, that we didn't give him his own chapter. And in retrospect, I'd probably make a different decision, but we decided to use the chapter on the 1961 Ragamuffin Reds as our Frank Robinson chapter. We sort of combined Frank Robinson with that special team because we thought that was a year that highlighted how important he was to the Reds. And uh, But we, well, you could have had a, a chapter on him, certainly. But that 1961 season, to me, is the year that really encapsulates what Frank Robinson was to the Reds. 1961, Frank was 25 years old, coming off a season where he uh, had hit uh, 297, 407 on base, five ninety five slugging, 31 homers. But the Reds were awful in 1960. And just, uh, you know, the attendance was by far, Cincinnati's attendance was by far the worst in either league. And teams were players were just apathetic. And then in the spring, I'm sure you remember this story. Uh, Frank Robinson was arrested after brandishing a firearm uh, in a, really? an altercation with a cook at a local Cincinnati mm-hmm. diner right after uh, spring training. And uh, and then uh, pal Crosley died, and it was like, oh gosh, what's going on with this? And then the season started. The Reds won five of their first seven, and uh, Frank Robinson was on. Un- Believable. there was a game in uh in july where he reached base six times against the dodgers who who the reds were competing with drove in seven runs two homers double single and uh in that game don drysdale los angeles right-hander was ejected for uh hitting robinson intentionally um and then of course No, no not don drysdale imagine that right Uh, And Robinson, uh, the story was uh, he basically got up, dusted himself off, ran to first, and then hit a home run and an RBI double in his next two Mm at-bats. And one of the best quotes we in research in the book that Chris and I found was um, later in his career, uh, that really wasn't the scouting report at that time not to hit him because the Dodgers hit him I think seven times that season. But by 1965, every club scouting report evidently was like, don't hit him because he will get up and kill you. If you hit him, uh, Gene Mauck, who who's the Phillies manager in '65, his quote was, "Robinson is trouble enough any time. He find any pitcher that would deliberately throw at Robinson. He said get him riled, and you just got more trouble." And so, uh, and of course, he led the Reds to the World Series that year, and just uh, was the most valuable player. And, and And that was that was the year that he really, truly became a Cincinnati legend, and he became a, a leader of that team. And we go into it in the book, Chapter Ten in the book. Go go get the book if you haven't already. Um, but uh, just the more I learn about Frank Robinson, and, of course, I never never saw him play, but the more I learn about him, the more I think, oh, my goodness, why isn't this guy considered to be up there with the Willie Mazes? And I don't feel like he is, and maybe that's sort of a subjective thing, but uh, what an amazing player.
1: I, I agree. And, you know, you're talking about the, the 61 season, and, and he's really his numbers are really better in 62,
0: Right, yeah, he didn't win the MVP that year, finished fourth. He came in
1: fourth, that's the year Mari Wills won I mean, it, yeah. which, you know, he shouldn't have, but he did.
0: 51 doubles, 39 homers, 134 yeah. runs scored, 136 RBIs, you're right, gosh, 421, led the league in on-base and slugging. You're right, looking at those numbers, that's unbelievable. But you see, yeah. uh, hit by pitch, led the league in hit-by-pitches, pitches One, two, three, four, five, six, seven times. Led the league and hit by pitch. Um, most of those, uh, six of those, or five of those seven were in the um, early years of his career. So In yeah, his rookie
1: year, he got hit 20 times. My guess is he was, he was hanging out over the plate his rookie year.
0: Well, he absolutely was. And I think, you know, I read a, a book that he wrote uh, called, uh, I think, My Life. My Life is Baseball. It's his sort of autobiography I read, uh, I don't know, about a year ago. Just because I was fascinated by him uh, in the process of researching the book, and just started to fall in love with his story, and uh, he would ha- he would would hang out with plate, but there was also some element, you know, that was 1956, and he faced a lot of really uh, really rough treatment because he was black, and yeah. uh, you know, just uh, and, and he and Vader Pincus always told the story that. Uh, you know, they were sort of – it was th- those two against the world kind of. Uh, the Reds did put – they signed a – I can't I can't remember his name, but he was like a 35-year-old um, pitcher and signed him to a minor league deal just so he would sort of be Robinson's, uh, uh, you know, uh, help him learn the ropes. Yeah. Because he was so yeah, talented. An early mentor. Right, a mentor. That's the word I'm looking for. And, <laughs> and Robinson came through so much and then to be the first – uh African American manager in the majors, and just—I mean, you know—just a legendary career. And um, I don't think Cincinnati fans, because he was done in Cincinnati after 1965. I don't think the current generation of Cincinnati fans really understand what a special player this guy
1: was. I, I agree. And going back to the to the racial things he had to go through, you got to remember when when he broke into the big leagues. Cincinnati was the southernmost city in Major League Baseball.
0: Yeah. It was not a hospitable uh, environment.
1: I'm looking at the, again, looking at baseball reference, and and I I had never noticed this before, but they list all of the things he did. Two-time MVP, Rookie of the Year, won the Triple Crown, 14-time All-Star, World Series MVP, All-Star Team MVP, Gold Gloves, batting title, Major League Player of the Year, Manager of the Year. I mean. (laughs) He did it all. Yeah, what didn't he do? Let's see. He probably didn't clean out the bathroom, you know, after the right. after the team left. It, you know, he probably left somebody else to do that. <laughs> just uh, he, it, he didn't wash the uniforms. That's what it was. He didn't wash the uniforms.
0: I mean, it's just an almost a uh, perfect career in a lot of ways. And uh, kudos to Frank Robinson. I just I, I hope that I hate that it's going to be in uh, in death now, but I hope he gets people start looking back now at his career and, and starting to realize what a really special player this guy was and and, you know uh not just his career on the field but managing a a number of different teams and worked for major league baseball for a long time and just uh he's one of the pivotal personalities in uh baseball history not just red's history but uh you know i I sort of hope there's going to be a reevaluation of his time in cincinnati
1: and i I think he was the first player manager in a long time and he and then then when he wasn't a player manager anymore i think the next one was pete
0: and there's an you know, interesting story uh, about uh, when Pete came up. For whatever yep. reason, people didn't yep. like Pete Rose. If you can imagine that. Well, the guys on the team. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, he was You know, he was probably going to take uh, the second baseman's job, Don Blazingame, at yeah. that time. And uh, and so the story, of course, is that Robinson and Vada Pinson kind of took Pete under under their wing a little bit. Yep. Uh And even at that time, which is really unbelievable, because he'd already become a superstar at that point. Still, Robinson and Penson were kind of, you know, they were respected in the clubhouse. But the story goes that, you know, they they hung together uh, with the other African Americans on the team, and uh, so hopefully we've come a long way. But uh, for him to have come through all that and just, uh, I don't know, I keep saying it because it go look at his page on Baseball Reference. It's mind blowing.
1: Yes, it is. How good he is. People, he he you know. 107.3 war, and I'd be curious to know where that ranks all time.
0: Well, we should have looked it up. I don't know the answer to that, but I do know yeah, that. And I don't either, and I'm not sure where you can find that on here. Through his age 29 season, I saw that our buddy uh, Joel Luckup tweeted earlier, through his age 29 season, he had uh, more uh, wins above replacement than anyone in Red's history. And uh, and he's up there in Red's history all the
1: time. What's that? Uh, uh,
0: he, where is he? He's 24th all time uh, amongst yeah. all major league players.
1: Yes. Wow. Right in front of Mike Schmidt. Pretty good. player. And right behind nap. Lejo. I can't, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Napoleon L.A. L'A. L'Ajouet. L'Ajouet. Oh,
0: that sounds good with that Southern accent. It does. Doesn't it? Almost <laughs> as, almost as good as no, I'm not going to say it.
1: Um, yeah, you will. At some, some, point, you'll at say some it. point.
0: Maybe there he goes again. <laughs> There he goes again. All right, so Frank Robinson, uh, rest in peace, Reds legend. Uh, gonna miss you, and uh, you know, I just I hope there's a reevaluation because just an absolute stud when it comes to uh, to baseball and to life. So kudos to Frank. Any le- final words about Frank?
1: No, I, I mean I agree with what you said. You just can't you can't oversell him. Right, I agree.
0: Now, uh let's talk about a friend of the podcast quickly and then we'll move on to some other topics that we've got. Uh Devin Mezzerocco, you remember Devin? I
1: absolutely remember Devin.
0: Great guy. He's been on the podcast a number of times. You've spoken with him a bunch. Uh Devin Mezzerocco, of course, traded last year in the uh the Matt Harvey deal. Remember Matt Harvey? He's never is been he, on the podcast. Is he saw has he signed anywhere yet? Yeah, he's signed with the Angels. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um anyway. One year deal for less than we're gonna be paying uh Tanner Rourke or Sonny Gray. or, But anyway, uh, Devin Meseraco signed a minor league deal with an invitation to spring training with the New York Mets, who he finished the last season with. And, it, and you and I had talked, as soon as you got back, we were talking, you know, oh, has Devin, when's he going to sign, you know, and we, and we discussed that wouldn't be surprised if he may have to sign a minor league deal, and that's what happened. Uh, but the reports I see think that uh, Meseraco's got a really good shot at uh, at, at grabbing a roster spot.
1: Yeah, he. he, I mean, offensively, he was league average last year. So, you know, hopefully, you know, he's still on the comeback trail and he'll be even better this year.
0: But, but what is it with Devin? It's health. Got to stay healthy.
1: Can't help the club when you are in the tub. Yeah. So, uh,
0: so no matter where Devin Mesoraco goes the rest of his career, we're rooting for him and uh, certainly hope he makes the Mets and uh, hopefully he will not do too much damage against the Reds this year. So, um, what next, you know, I love these, I haven't loved them in past years, but I love all these, uh, computer projections that all these, uh, sites have FanGraphs and baseball prospectus. and uh, so I, I tune back in every once in a while just to see what the latest projections are. And right now FanGraphs has the Reds, and I didn't, uh, tell you we were going to, before we started with, I was going to mention this, but I just remembered it. FanGraphs has the reds finishing 82 and 80 at this point. That's a winning record
1: bill. Would you be happy with 82 and 80? Yes. Would you? Yeah. Okay. I think with the moves they made in the offseason, I think I'd be a little disappointed with only 82 wins.
0: Only 82 wins. Where have you been the last few years?
1: I've been right here, brother.
0: <laughs> a baseball pers- Prospectus uh, has the Reds projected at 81 and 81. Um, you know, the Reds are a, are a Corey Kluber away from, uh, <laughs> from being an absolute playoff team. That's what that tells me they're they're a, a really stud player away but if you're if you're an eighty two eighty team here's the way I look at it if you're an eighty two and 80 team you don't need a whole lot of luck one way or the other uh, you know to get up to an eighty eight win team you, you
1: know, need a couple guys to have career years you need to win some one run games yep you gotta you gotta be a little lucky you got you know and, and I think that you know if things fall into place that's that's what it tells me. We're, the Reds are at
0: least uh, a solidly or uh, slightly above average team, or uh, an average team if you're going to, depending on wh- how you look at it. And if they could sign anyone else, and we're going to talk about that in a moment, if uh, trade for anyone else, um, or if some guys have good years and the Reds just happen to get a little bit of luck, they're in the playoff race. I mean, the the Fangraphs projects the Reds to be in third place right now, um, but only six games out of first by their projections. So you know the Reds are. Um, the reds are right in the th- uh, of course baseball prospectus has no teams in the central projected to be below 500 which i thought was really? interesting yeah. well that's
1: what i was just thinking when you said they only six games up and in third place that means they're going to beat each other up pretty pretty good uh, probably um, it, it'll it kind of would it sounds like and, and again i'm going to be showing my age here was the, the the 69 national league west which was famous from ball four where you had four teams that i think finished within five Or six games I mean and it went right down to the last weekend if I remember right
0: if you're good at anything it's showing your age well I got a lot of it to show (laughs) 69 (laughs) wow nice um they they project the Cubs at 88 wins and the Brewers in last place at 79 wins fangraph so you're right that's what it looks like it looks like five you know pretty good teams kind of they've got the Brewers going from first to last yes that's what the projections look like that's interesting I just like you know they got the reds dead in the middle. I just like that the reds are finally in the conversation. That uh, that's enough for me right now. I'm I'm still pretty giddy about everything, um, but I the guys we're talking about potentially having to have you know go, really good years. I see a lot of different options of guys that could be that guy. You know it could be Sonny Gray. I have no doubt in my mind he could return to form uh, at his age. You know uh, Puig could be great. I could see Sinzel coming up and being fantastic. You know. Joey Votto's gonna be better than he was last year. I, I project. Uh, you know, they're just all around the uh, Desclafani. If he stays healthy, that's a dynamite number five starter. Uh, I just if he stays healthy. But so I just I think there's so much to be uh, excited about. And, I, and I'm frankly not. Uh, I'm not. Wouldn't be disappointed by 82 wins. I think that's a huge step in the right direction. And I'll take that, that after what we've suffered through.
1: Well, and the other thing is, and I hadn't even really thought about this, is if this division is as competitive as we're talking about, that's going to keep, you know, if you if you keep the first place team from getting to 90 or 92, then 82 sounds a lot better.
0: That's true. Although the flip side of that argument is that if it, if they're beating up on each other so much, it may be difficult to get one of those wildcard teams. Yeah. Out of the division, you know. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, we're talking, we're projecting way too much here, but that's what the offseason's for. That's what the offseason's about. What else are you going to do? Yeah, you know? Exactly. And, and we talk about whether the Reds are going to make any more trades, and, and we were all sort of on the, you were out of the country for a little while during this, but we were all sort of on the edges of our seat because of all the, and we talked about on the podcast last week with Jason Linden. Um, the Reds were hot and heavy after JT Rail Muto. And uh, uh, as I saw someone say, I believe it was our buddy Coop on, uh, on twitter say the reds couldn't sale, seal muto the deal muto for jt real muto the philadelphia phillies traded for jt real muto uh today and gave up a pretty big uh, pretty good package a 25 year old catcher who's uh, under team control for through 2023 jorge alfaro who's uh, got a pretty good reputation and uh, has still has potential to improve um the big one was uh, six toe 20 year old right-handed pitcher who ranks in the top 25 on most uh, top 100 prospect lists.
1: Um, you think that's an advantage that he has six toes?
0: <laughs> it's it must be. That's why he has so much spin on his <laughs> pitch. That's a, that's a terrible but, dad joke.
1: Um, but it does. I mean, it did sound like they, I mean, and and we talked about a little this a little bit before we went on the air. What, and you guys talked about last week about the, the, what the reds apparently were offering, or at least what the, you know, what the press had a hold of that they were offering. And it was, Kind of weird that it was so public that you know that they were offering India and Barnhart probably and probably someone else.
0: I'm interested to know why it was so public because the Reds have a history, uh, certainly in recent years, of keeping everything very close to the vest. But this one escaped somehow.
1: Yeah. Wonder, and, a- and, and and as you you and Jason were talking about last week, all it did was allow teams to know well, know what they had to beat. You know, you showed your whole you know, they showed their whole card.
0: Exactly um if the reds could have gotten rail muto as we said before for the the you know rumored deal of jonathan india uh, r- the first round pick for the reds last year uh tucker barnhart and you know some other lesser prospect i'm i'm in on that because two years of rail muto is a, r- a real deal and i think it bumps that 82 win projection up even higher um but if they were outbid i'm okay with the reds not going a whole lot further than what that reported deal was. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, and and I don't disagree with you. And, and when you guys were talking, when I was listening the other day, and you know, I kind of agreed with you for the the top of the, being the top of the package. India would have been as high as I'd have went. Absolutely. I
0: I, I don't think there's any question. I'm not going
1: uh, uh, Senzel Tramel. I
0: might or, have gone Hunter Green,
1: but uh, I, I have to admit I would be tempted with Green just because there's no such thing as a prospect. Huh? And, and you know, he's young and he's, you know, he's still, you know, an a ball and all the things, all the things we've talked about before. Right. But, you know, but that boy, you talk about a deal that could turn around being a a Frank, you know, a Frank Robinson ish deal that you have to live with for the rest of your life.
0: You run that risk. You absolutely would. And, uh, but the reds didn't get him. And so, well, let me – here's a question we had from uh, Chad Rainwater on uh, Twitter.com. Chad Rainwater asking. and this is our, our uh, the beginning of uh, our viewer mail segment, Bill. You like viewer mail? You mean listener mail? These are actual letters that I received in the mail from actual viewers.
1: I don't know what they're looking at. These are very disturbed people that are writing these things. Not Chad Rainwater. He's a great guy with a fantastic uh, – Twitter emoji
0: okay. uh, but anyway now that the Reds are out of the rail Muto war do they make one last move or stay put going into spring training uh, I'll go ahead and, and, and take this one first it's a good question I've received it from a, a number of different people but I picked out Chad's just because he has a good first name um, I think that my, here's my prediction and my guess uh, which is really the same thing it, the Reds are going to make some smaller moves Still a lot of guys out there. They're still trying to improve. I mean, you know, I think they're going to still uh, bring some guys into spring training, which starts very, very soon. Uh, I think probably the big moves are done. I think this was the, the last one that's out there. I just don't see a Corey Kluber deal, for example, happening. I don't see Dallas Keuchel happening, and we'll talk about that as well. Uh, so I think probably this is it. So this is probably mostly the team that gonna, we're going to have going into uh, spring training. Uh, I think Real Mutual would have moved the needle a little bit. I think a Kluber would move the n- needle, and I, and I would go go, you know, I would I would go for that if if it were still available. You well, would I, wet your pants. I would, I would, but then again, you know, I, that's sort you of you do that anyway. That's Tuesday night in the Dotson household. Um, <laughs> so, what do you think? You think the Reds have any more big moves?
1: No, I, the only prediction I would make, and I don't even know why I believe this, but I don't think Kemp will be on this team when Opening Day rolls around.
0: Yeah, I got to think they are actively trying to move him. I agree. He he just doesn't really make a lot of sense.
1: Right. For this I, I think they would move him in money for a guy that they if they could find the right deal that would that they could bring in that could play center field if Senzel didn't work out and they weren't happy with Puig playing center field or, or Shebler in the long term.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, I, I I I think they'd give up the offense and even some money. Because I, I I could I could foresee Kemp we, I mean you got too many outfields and everybody wants to play every day.
0: yeah
1: I Especially think' we, guys that, you know that are in walk years
0: right. well I, you know the Reds owe nothing to Kemp. you know if he's the fourth outfielder or whatever, whatever it is what it is if you can't move him, um, he's going to be gone. There's no chance Matt Kemp will be on the Reds next year. zero chance. anybody of the Reds acquired this year, he's the one that I guarantee uh, will not be around. But here, here's why I am sort of—I uh, continue to be really excited about where we are. Even if the Reds don't have another big, I wish they'd make another big move. I wish they'd trade for for Corey Kluber. I wish they'd have been able to get Real Muto, because I think it really, like I said, it moves the needle. But here's why I'm happy anyway: the Reds are projected to be an above 500 team, and they have not traded any of their top seven prospects. To me. Okay, are they going to be the 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 pennant winners? Maybe not, but they have improved substantially, and they've still got so much flexibility to continue to improve. And to me, uh, that excites me. Am I overexcited about it, Bill?
1: Well, here's what I would say: taking the opposite concern,
0: as you always do.
1: If you're absolutely right, it gives them flexibility in terms of cash. They've got all their prospects. But they're going to, unless people re-sign, there's going to be some major holes in this in this roster after this season. True. But they've got prospects. The prospects, prospect, the prospects right, to that we've brought along in the last few years have not developed the way we thought they would. So what makes us believe that the ones that we're counting on now, those eight that you're talking about, are going to be any different than the ones that have come up in the last two years? The money aspect, you know, we'd like to see him sign Keuchel or some, you know, and who next year's Keuchel. You know, say that, you know, whoever next year's big free agent is. Pitcher. Chris I mean, Sale. That's who I want. Chris Sale. Okay. You know, if they weren't willing to spend that kind of money this year, what makes you think they're willing to, going to be willing to spend it next year?
0: They may not. Many teams
1: are not willing to spend it this year for whatever right. reason. But. So- so what I'm saying is everything you're saying is correct, but that doesn't mean the Reds will will either, A, develop these players in the way we wish they could, would or could, and that may be the player, it may be the coaching, it may be whatever, who the heck else knows, or spend the money needed to bring in the big-name players that we think could put this team in a position to be a contender again next year. I think you're talking about them building on this year, I could see just as big an, uh, an argument that next year they'd fall back.
0: The reason why I am willing to be optimistic on that point is I have seen enough the last, uh, you know, 4 or 5 months to give me real confidence in the the guys running this organization all of a sudden. Because it's been such a stark difference in the way this team is uh, is being run. I mean, you know, the coach the coaches with these created titles I've never heard of. Uh, it, clearly, it's a new analytical direction, and yes, they're they're behind the curve on that. Uh, they should have been doing this stuff five, ten years ago. Moneyball was written like in 1968, and so and the Reds took it until now to get on board. So, but everything I've seen from this winter has made me believe that th- this sort of new direction is it's a real shift in thinking in this organization. And I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt, given that they just improved this team from a team that lost 90 games each of the last four seasons into a team that at least theoretically is going to be in the conversation next year. They're not an also-ram. And they didn't give up anybody for any of it. And they they are spending more money than they spent before. Did they spend the money for the big high-end guy? No, because who is that guy? I don't know if there was a pitcher we wanted at Keuchel, but uh, we might as well go ahead and talk about it. Uh, reports this week, the Reds are out on Dallas Keichel and, and a big part of it was uh, the health is what we heard. They didn't like what the yeah, Reds did like. What they had about his medical reports. Yeah, and, you know, 31 years old and coming off a season where he uh, was pretty good but um, and, and was healthy, but they saw something they didn't like. And so I don't mind the Reds. He's the guy I wanted, but if they really, truly don't believe that's a good – use of uh, funds, well, okay, I can, I can buy that. I can buy that, but I don't know. I just, I'm, uh, I have gone Uh, off for for being completely uh, finished with this organization's decision-making and they've turned me around in about five months and and maybe I'm uh, over-optimistic because sometimes I am, but I think there's real reason to, to be optimistic.
1: I agree with everything you said there, but until I see changes on the field that, 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 bring about wins I'm going to be I'm going to be from Missouri alright show me yep and I get it Moneyball was written in 2003 I went and pulled my copy while you were talking just a look are you sure yeah, yeah I'm looking I got the book in my hand I thought
0: it was 1968
1: Moneyball yeah 2003 brother <laughs> oh yeah that's right um you know it's almost time to, to break out ball four and get it ready to oh be read before the season starts about once a year Everybody, you. anyone that's never read ball four should go out and find a copy and read it before spring training starts
0: about once a year as i was saying you and i always tend to talk about that and for many years i read it every spring uh, i agree it's just it's laugh out loud funny even the number of times i've read it so yeah go read. it's, it's the
1: funniest baseball book i've ever read it really is
0: um okay next uh next topic is uh one that we got a few uh viewer mail questions about And uh, we'll lead off with one from uh, our buddy Steve Offenbaker. Oh, we like Steve. Yeah, Steve. Steve's a good guy. Old Reds listserv guy. How do you guys feel about the DH for the National League uh, proposal being floated by MLB? Um, He had some other comments. Well, let's go ahead and just read them. I think it ruins the strategy, takes away need for bench strength, double switches, defensive replacements, managers, and makes the game a sad Xbox parody of itself. Uh, Matt Dietner said, I, I want to hear you guys talk about how the lineup could look if the National League did actually adopt the DH rule for this year. seems like the Reds have a leg up and that they have Kemp. Um, so uh, there's been some discussion this week about potentially, and there are a number of r- rule changes, but that the Red- that the National League would go to the designated hitter you know, the- since 1973, which is essentially my entire life. Um, the designated hitters existed in the American League. Uh, And now, these days, it's everywhere in baseball and softball except for the National League. Uh, There were some other proposed ideas we can talk about, but let's go with the DH first. What are your thoughts about National League DH?
1: I hate the DH. Always have. Again, I'm showing my old crotchetiness. I hate it. I, I hate it. It's not baseball. You know four letters well Gray said the other day you on one of the comments, well the baseball's made a lot of substantial you know changes since 1920 but not to change the structure of the game, not to change the game you know relief pitching is a bigger thing now than it used to be, but that was just a a, a decision made by managers. i I just hate it I, I absolutely despise it.
0: Four letters in O. D
1: H. hashtag N-O-D-H. H. I'm with you, Bill. Um the the and and the only thing is you're never going to get I want I, I want to go the other way I want the American League to scrap it and that's never going to happen. The the Players Association is never going to allow a position to be eliminated once it's been created. Never. Sure. They would go. They would go to the mat. The only way I could see that happen is if they expanded rosters enough that they felt they, they could recompensate for players by losing that one position.
0: Here, here's my thought on the DH. I watch a lot of baseball. I watch more National League Baseball than I watch in the American League, but I watch a lot of American League Baseball as well. I have never felt that the American League game was more exciting or more interesting and I'm not one of these guys that's, that says, oh, I love the the strategy behind the double switch. Ah, come on. You know, whatever. Um, but I like the idea that you've got nine guys. And you're putting them up against the other team's nine guys. And uh, I just, it's, there are a lot of things that have been changed about baseball. It's true since they began, since the game began. And and, and things do need to change. And I don't have any problem with the Reds talking about potential Um rule changes if they go to the designated here in the national league which they're not going to in 2019 it's not going to happen but if they do eventually i'm still going to watch baseball but i don't see any reason to think that uh, to believe that it's going to be a more exciting game or a a more fun game in, in the national league because they have the dh because i don't see that in the american league it's not more fun to me you know because a pitcher's not batting come on okay pitchers don't hit well and some people are like, "Oh, I don't want to watch, uh, you know, a pitcher hit." Okay, whatever. They're not that good. They're the worst they've ever been. Uh, but you know, uh, I do like the fact that uh, it that does come into the strategy when you remove your pitcher, um, and so you're watching a real a real hitter hit. I just I don't have a problem with. <laughs> I just don't have a problem with the way the game's played in the National League right now. I like that's how I, and and maybe that's me being uh, crotchety. Uh, I'm perfectly willing to believe that, but I like. National League baseball, sue me. So um, I, I vote against it as well. But now let's go to a fantasy world where the. Oh, wait a minute! Wait a
1: minute! I want to I want to bring something up too, real quick. Okay, go ahead. And the other thing is, if you've got a guy that can hit, that's a pitcher. A Lorenz you know, and there aren't many Michael Lorenzens, but there have been other guys that were pretty good hitters. You know, I remember Tony Cloninger was a pretty good hitter. Joe Nuxall was a pretty good hitter from my my memory. Now I'm not I haven't looked any of this up but it gives you a substantial advantage if you've got a pitcher that can be a pretty good hitter, too.
0: Yeah, I just, I don't, uh, people act like it's such a an awful thing to have to watch pitchers hit. I don't think so, and, uh, you know, if, if we didn't have pitchers hitting, we never would have seen Michael Lorenzo. That's a, that's more exciting to me than anything a designated hitter did in the American League last year, what Michael Lorenzo did. I don't know. I just don't have a problem with the National League game. But let's pretend for a moment like the, the they're, they institute the DH next year. I got this question a lot. Who's the Reds' DH? And I'll tell you my answer while while you think about it. My answer when, when I was asked on Twitter was, well, okay, they don't have a DH. They've got, you know, I think uh, Scooter Jeanette plays there some. I think Joey Votto plays there some when you give him a break from the field. I think Matt Kemp plays there with the roster as currently constructed. I think Jesse Winker plays there some. Uh, I think you can move it around, and that helps you get another guy in the in the lineup. Maybe get Senzel more at bats. I don't know. But uh, do you have any thoughts about if the Reds – if we had a DH this year, what would the Reds do with it?
1: I, I, I tend to agree with you. There wouldn't be one guy. It would, it, you know, they. they I think they would use it to get guys at bats and to rest guys' legs, yeah. and, and basically the same thing you were talking about.
0: And it would probably help the Reds going forward because at some point Joey Votto could transition to being a, a DH, and you know, keep him in the lineup. I, I don't know. I just I'm I'm against the designated hitter, whether it's rational or irrational. I don't. I'm willing to make the, to argue with anyone, and I don't. Uh, you know, if someone likes the designated hitter, I, that's bother me. Fine, like what you like. But I just don't. Th- I don't see that the American League game is any more exciting than the National League game. I don't.
1: But didn't you haven't you told me in the past that you you would have voted for Martinez for the Hall of Fame?
0: Oh, absolutely, sure. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> Get out of here. See, now we're going to disagree
0: again. Finally, I enjoy it more when we disagree. Edgar Martinez is a flat-out Hall of Famer, should have been first ballot. No way.
1: He's a designated <laughs> hitter.
0: Yeah, emphasis on hitter.
1: Yeah. You're right. Right. I, I, I am not disagreeing he's a great hitter. But he didn't play, he didn't play the field enough. Okay. Sorry.
0: Well, there's a lot of players that are in the Hall of Fame that were awful in the field that hurt their teams in the field.
1: But they played out there, you so they're hitting head to, had to compensate for as bad as they were in the field.
0: Can't blame Edgar Martinez because uh, the position was available for him to play. Designated hitters are part of the game, so we're not. We'll wait. We'll save that for our because uh, on Fridays we record our Seattle Mariners podcast. Well, we'll let's hold this conversation <laughs> until then, Bill. Uh, okay. Rick, Raquel Moran asks, what went wrong between the Reds and the Marlins for Real Muto? My opinion is nothing went wrong. They got outbid, and I'm okay with the Reds not upping the ante more than what was uh, rumored. You, you you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I do. I mean, I'd love to have this guy, and, I, and I'd love to even more if we, could have, you know, if we could have talked to him and maybe worked out know, an extension. Um, you know, and I might have been willing to, uh, if the extension would have been part of it, I might have been willing to up the deal something. Yeah, but right. as we said earlier, you know what? You know when you show your cards and somebody beats them, they beat them.
0: It is what it is. You, you decide how much you're going to offer, and if you get outbid, you get outbid. I don't. I, I'm okay. I wanted Rail Muto in the middle of this Reds lineup. I was excited about the possibilities, but uh, I can live with the fact that the Reds didn't give up more than Jonathan India.
1: How happy do you think Tucker Barnhart is?
0: Uh, well, it's funny because <laughs> I love Tucker, another friend of the podcast. You too
1: he's a great guy
0: absolutely and and as soon as it was announced that the Phillies traded for uh rail Muto he tweeted out a uh one of these gifs of uh Forrest Gump standing on the uh, on his boat waving you know like I'm still here <laughs> you know it was <laughs> it was pretty good it was pretty good and we're glad we're glad that Tucker's still around no no one was and, excited and about Tucker
1: being traded with 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 a better pitching staff I expect Tucker to have a better year
0: yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think I think he'll be a, uh, uh, I think he'll be valuable to this team, and I would not be surprised if he were um, substantially better than he was last year. So, uh, more you want to answer some more hash brown viewer mail questions? Sure, Vander, uh, Vander, we're going to answer yours. Uh, send that back to us when Doug Gray's on. That's a prospect question that I think will be really interesting for me and Doug Gray to talk about. But I'm going to skip it tonight because we got so many. Ryan Rayburn. Asks, asking for a friend. Should I rename my son Jovo, or what about Joe Dan? What do you think, Bill? No. Oh no, I think absolutely. I would go with Joe Dan. Joe Dan Rayburn. That's a that's a solid name.
1: So like you ought to be on Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> wow, well, that's a good
0: point. <laughs> uh, don't don't rename your son Cooter. Love yeah, then,
1: then then you got Raylan coming after him. Exactly, exactly. Um, <laughs> we just, we've just rewatched that, as a matter of fact. <laughs> um, WV... If you never watched Justified, you need to watch um, Justified. You've told me that so many times.
0: A number of team people have told me that. Um, WVU and Reds, we've already answered your question, sort of, uh, but I want to go ahead and mention it because I uh, appreciate you listening. Do you think the Reds make any more
1: major moves this offseason? We both say no, right? Yep, we both say no. Yes, we both say no. Um, Yes, we have no bananas. (laughs) Philip
0: Razor, at PSR 1973, Philip Razor asks, Does Bill have any idea who I am?
1: What's his name again?
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) He also says, Hashtag viewer mail, Hashtag Razor equals downloads. I don't know about that. Uh, I don't know what that means either. I don't like the metrics... uh, reflect that and hashtag Lyndon hates
1: scooter can you believe jason linden hates scooter so much i don't think he does i think he just thinks he would be more valuable somewhere else <laughs>
0: yeah, <he hates> <laughs> um let's see here uh lots of good jason questions. gets a bad rap you know you, you he does it's fun to give jason a bad rap uh dwight kelly dwight j kelly said you uh says for the fun of it what would your walk-up song be also uh Dotson is from the land of bluegrass pioneer Dr. Ralph Stanley does he listen to him if not he should I'll take the second part of that while you're thinking about what your walk up song would be Wow uh, uh Dr. Ralph Stanley is a legend who is from very close to where I uh was raised I do not listen to his music uh I'm not a huge bluegrass fan don't uh you know I don't have anything against it but he is certainly a legend around here um I will say that I had a member of his family in uh I, I met a member of his family while I was at work, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, but, uh-huh. I, but it was not him, uh, and that's as much as I know about
1: Ralph Stanley. What was your walk-up song, Bill? You got one? Oh, you guys were talking last week about Americana music, and and I'm an Americana guy. Uh, uh, most, a lot of the music I listen to, it's not hillbilly music, as you guys were talking about last I like week.
0: It. I like it. I, don't is, like, country,
1: I like the Americana. I don't like the Nashville country. Most of the stuff I like comes out of Oklahoma and Texas. Red dirt music. And, um, and there's a guy named Todd Snyder. Did you just say red dirt music? Red dirt music. Yeah, it comes out of Oklahoma. One of A uh, couple oh, bands that, 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 that are tied to it are, are, are uh, Great Divide, Reckless Kelly, uh, and Cross Canadian Ragweed. Right,
0: you just made up every one of those. So do you have a particular song that would be your walk-up song?
1: I would think... That, Todd Snyder did a song many years ago called uh, Late Last Night. And it's a rocker and it's kind of cool. I'm talking about try to keep it down. I was up kind of late last night. It's it's a neat song.
0: Sounds like a Either that or
1: Rock Amarillo Highway. Um, You've never
0: heard of either one? No, I think you're making all this up. Uh, I'm going to trust that you're not <laughs> lying to me, though. Uh, mine would be uh, Zero to 100 by Drake. You're making
1: that
0: up. <laughs> That's a song, man. Zero,
1: I've never heard of Drake.
0: Zero to 100. Real quick. I can't say. I can't oh, say I know who
1: Drake one. is. He, he was the character Joey Tribbiani played on the soap opera on Friends.
0: All right, we're done here. This has been Bill Lack's <laughs> final appearance on Red Leg Nation Radio.
1: Don't make any promises.
0: <laughs> Let's see. What else we got here? Um, here we go. Joey at Buckeye Joe 6 asks, hashtag viewer mail. Did the Reds go all out this offseason because it was time because of FC Cincinnati coming to town or because they wanted as many fans back as possible after the or before the strike hits um or all three I think the Reds went all out this offseason I don't know that I would phrase it the same way but I would say it's because I do think it's because Record low attendance last year, worst attendance in since 1983, I believe. '82. Um, I think that the, they realized if we don't do something, we're done with this fan base. That's my opinion. Do you have any quick thoughts about that?
1: I would question whether they went all in. That's a good point. Well, he said uh, he said all out. So said, all, okay, whichever way you want to look he at it. Flipped it on
0: you. Good work, Joey.
1: I mean, if they went all out, we'd have gotten a Kluber or a Keiko or something like that. Um, but I think all of those are valid points other than, and, and I know people that think that there is going to be a strike and it's going to be long and ugly. Um, but I think the FC Cincinnati thing is is, is an issue. Um, I
0: think that's in the mix. I agree with that. Yeah, I think that's a,
1: absolutely you know, um. Oh, speaking of, when I was on my cruise, we had, I, I met a, a bartender from Antigua, and he got me watching uh, cricket. So, what, what were you doing talking to a bartender? That's not wholesome
0: activity, there Bill.
1: And, you know. But anyway, uh, I, I think all of those things are part of it, other than the strike. I don't think that had any effect on this. There may be but, a strike,
0: but I don't think it. I agree.
1: Yeah, but the other things, you know, I I think, and you've talked about this be- before, you know, you're in a you're, you a, you got a lost generation of Reds fans that have never really seen them win.
0: No, absolutely, uh, and I went into that in a Cincinnati Magazine piece. Maybe I'll uh, tweet that back out because it's a uh, yeah. I think you you're running a real danger here of a generation who're like, who cares about the Reds? They've never been relevant. So, Dean Ferguson. Dean says, "Love the show, and especially viewer mail. Love you too, Dean." What's he the dean of? He's the dean of podcast listeners. Why okay. the lack of shortstop prospects is his question. If you have an answer, you can give it. But my opinion is, shortstops are kind of like quarterbacks in the NFL. They're really hard to find, and I think the Reds have, uh, you know, mishit. They misfired on a on a Cuban guy that they yeah. thought was going to be good, and they you know they drafted. They drafted a guy, uh, Jeter Downs, who they've traded, so now it's, there are not very many guys. Jose Peraza is really the only shortstop we've got. Do you have any opinion on that, or are we will going to, go to the next one? No, I agree with you. All right. Um, I'm not going to say your name, Lance, uh, but that's uh, an interesting uh, handle you've got here. But Lance asks, are the Reds good? I think they will be. In 2019? Yes. Good, and I right. think they're going to be fun to watch. They're going to be a lot more fun to watch. I think it's going to be a fun season. Are they going to make the playoffs? I'm not willing to say that, but if they're going to be. I think they are fun. I think they're going to be fun to watch. Um, Woodrow the dog, Woodrow buddy. I love your name, and you've been asking us a question uh, just about every week, and we appreciate that. Is Lorenzen the best defensive center fielder on the projected 25 man? For a relief pitcher, can you walk through a viable usage pattern that can make him an effective outfield closer as well? And this is a topic that you and I wanted to talk about. Because yeah. uh, this week, uh, we, uh, just today, I saw a quote from Michael Lorenzen on MLB Network where he said, the Reds are getting more serious about using me in the outfield. I'm better in the outfield than anything I do on the baseball field. And I think no one knows that, <laughs> which I, I loved that quote. What are your thoughts about that?
1: Uh, uh, and we talked about this. John Fay wrote an article yesterday in the Enquirer. And uh, David Bell said, I don't about about Lorenzen. He said, I don't know him as well as everyone else in the organization, but I would have no hesitation in putting, him in putting him in any role, any position. He's so competitive. He takes such great care of himself. He's going to do well in this game for a long time, and it will be important for us to find it the best find the best way to use him and the best way to maximize who he is. After that, he's so competitive, but the, blah blah is all blah blah blah. But putting him in any role, any position is interesting. But Dick Williams made it clear that Lorenzen is not competing for a significant role as a position player. I don't see any scenario he's or he's competing for regular playing time in center field. And that's a quote it's from Dick Williams. Like, yes, it's more like it'd be nice to know that in an occasional double switch, you could put him in to run the bases. You could put him into play some defense. That's more what we're looking at as far as his center field ability. But then he goes on to say, I don't want to speak for David on how he's going to use him in games as opposed to practice. Michael is one of those guys that who always has taken balls in the outfield and will continue to take balls in the outfield. David wants to see him with his own eyes, see how Michael performs out there. I think it, it's one of those things that would be nice to know if Michael has it where we feel like he can go out there if needed. So it's, you know, Williams kind of goes one way and then kind of backtracks when he realized that he was, he was stomping all over his new manager.
0: And, and it sort of puts into context Lorenzen's comments, like he's trying to convince David Bell, I can do more than what you ought to let me do.
1: I don't know. You yeah. know. I, I think it's, in a, it's a, 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 a possible wild card that could really help this team in, in a multitude That's- of different ways. For once, I agree with you, Bill Lack. Yeah. I, would, I keep telling you, I would think you'd get tired of being wrong.
0: <laughs> Never. <laughs> I'll have you know, no one ever tells me that I'm wrong. So, why don't you get your wife and bring her in here? My wife and the Court
1: of Appeals, that's it. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, here's and my- so that's pretty good company, me, your wife, and the Court of Appeals. I, if I can hang with those two
0: all the time, I'll be happy. You'll be all right. Uh, no, I think you're right about this, and I think that if the Reds would really think outside the box, do we know that Michael Lorenzen can be a guy that can really help in that? I don't think we know that, because the Reds have never really, truly tried it. But I went back last year and looked at when he was uh, drafted, and I think I wrote a piece for Cincinnati Magazine about this. I'm going to have to look back and find that one as well. But what I found was when he was drafted, I would say that 75% of teams thought that he was a uh, an outfield prospect rather than a pitching prospect. He was that good at Cal State Fullerton uh, yep. as a center fielder. And and he hit well. I mean, he was a legit first-round type talent, basically, um, at, uh, at at both pitcher and, and, and outfielder. Now, he's not played outfield in a while. He says it's, he's better at that than anything he does. I am perfectly willing to go back to Woodrow's question. Is he the best defensive center fielder on the projected 25-man? Given who we have in the organization right now, I would – I don't know that he is, but I would not be surprised at all. Given yeah, I, I
1: would, I, If you asked me to put, a, if you put a gun to my head, I'd say yes, he is.
0: Well, he's probably played as. If you include college, he's probably played as many innings in center field as uh, anyone the Reds have on the roster. Uh, there yep. may be Philip Irvin if he makes. It. He's played a lot of center field, but he's probably played more than. And Sheber's played some, and and you know Puig has played some, but he's. It's not like Lorenz has never played there. And he's more athletic, I would say, than any of those guys we just mentioned. Uh, well, he's not quicker than Irvin, but Irvin's not a strong defensive center fielder. He's and, and if you go
1: to the second part of the question, how do you for, assuming that they do this in some form or fashion, what do you what 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 do you foresee him the the role being?
0: I think it's sort of a wait and see in terms of how David Bell handles this roster, because we don't know how far outside the box he's willing to go. Let's sug- say for a second that Lorenzen is actually the best defensive center fielder on this team. So I've made an argument that the Reds could have, maybe not for the price it was going uh, to require, but they could have kept Billy Hamilton as a defensive replacement and a pinch runner, sort of your fifth outfielder. And if Michael Lorenzen is legitimately the best defensive center fielder on the team. I don't see why he can't be a late-inning defensive replacement, who you may not even have to pinch hit for, you know, if it comes around to it. So um, I think the Reds, my guess is the Reds will probably use him more as a pinch hitter than they have before. But I don't know. I just, sort of going back to your uh, show me, until they show me they're willing to think outside the box, I will be surprised. I won't believe that they're gonna use him that drastically uh, outside the box.
1: I guess does that make sense? You, does Does Michael Lorenzen start a game in center field this year? No, no.
0: Okay. Oh man, that would be great. And that what else that would do is it would uh, that would be big time news. I mean, that's headline news if that were to happen. Oh, I don't know. I don't think it will. All right, a few more viewer mail questions before we uh, before we wrap this one up because, now gone it, Bill. We said we we're going to stop early. I know we did it
1: again. Yeah, uh,
0: Brandon, Brandon Taylor, true or false? Before the Reds play in a postseason game again, will they either have uh, signed a significant free agent? Uh, that's A or B, been willing to trade a top five prospect. Is that true or false? I think before they play, in my, here, I'll go ahead and give my answer. Yes, I think before they play in a postseason game, they, they either have to sign a significant free agent or have been willing to trade a top guy. I'm just not sure the roster right now is a playoff-ready
1: roster. I'm not 100% on that. Those two they were going to do, I'd say the second one before the first one. Yeah, okay. Um,
0: uh, oh, here, uh, Am I going Aaron has has two questions, but I'm only going to ask the second one. Uh, hashtag viewer mail, why is Bill so cranky? <laughs>
1: uh personality (laughs) that's just who you are it's in in my dna
0: (laughs) that's a good question aaron uh he had another good question about how uh, the reds new third base coach um jr house who we talked about in a previous podcast was uh how long are we going to ignore the fact that the he was a national record holder as a quarterback at nitro high school in good old west virginia yeah i didn't even know that um but i'm glad that he was and i'm also glad that he's a cincinnati red um I actually didn't see that J.R. House was had been uh, hired by the Reds uh, until I noticed, somehow I noticed that he followed me on Twitter. I was like, who's this guy? Yeah, he's the Reds third base coach. Um, well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, really. I'm famous. Uh, you know why I'm famous? Well, yeah, you know, they, they must know who you are.
1: No, oh, I'm, I'm a big deal. You're, yeah, you're you're influential. Yeah. Alex, you're a legend in your own mind. Absolutely.
0: Alex Bolka. I'm not a legend in the court of appeals mind. Alex Bolka says after we resign, Luis Alberto.
1: I knew it. Boy, yeah. I said it. Didn't I say it?
0: <laughs> after the Reds resign him, will he be above or below Alex Wood in the rotation? You got an answer for that one?
1: I would say below. Um, way, way, way
0: below. You're wrong. Uh, Matt asks, <laughs> cr- crunchy or smooth peanut butter? Smooth, absolutely. Um, in the big fifty, Michael Pruitt asks: In the big fifty-one, fifty-one moments that made the Cincinnati Reds, what's the fifty-first moment going to be if it comes in two thousand nineteen?
1: Walk off opening day win on a home run by Puig.
0: To me, it's a game seven walk off home run by Yasiel Puig in the World Series. That's the big fifty-one. That would be big fifty-one. That would be huge fifty-one. That would be in big fifty. <laughs> that would be number one in revision. Big 50. It'd be up there. All right, Bill. Uh, any other thoughts? Uh, we we've sort of worn this one out. I think, right?
1: Yeah. Again, you know the Frank Robinson thing. Yeah. Rest in
0: peace. What a yep. What a great player. All right. Well, this is a uh, Redleg Nation Radio episode number two hundred and fifty-one. Go subscribe. Uh, I keep asking. I didn't check this week to see what new uh, reviews we got, but go leave us a five-star review on iTunes especially or, or Apple Podcasts. Subscribe there, Stitcher, everywhere you get your podcasts. We're there. Subscribe and uh, and leave us ratings or reviews if you get a chance. Only good ones. If you like us, talk about us. If you don't like us, keep your mouth shut. You can uh, go to com, where we've been following the Reds every single day since 2005. Um, he's Bill Lack. I'm Chad Dotson. Follow us at Radio on Twitter. Do that, and uh, also you can go uh, and look at the, the, the threads where we ask for viewer mail questions. Go follow everyone who has asked a viewer mail question, and then give us one next week as well. Bill, any parting comments? Nope. Well, for Bill Lack and baseball legend Frank Robinson, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone.